0: Chapter twenty five of A Superfluous Woman by Emma Frances Brooke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. Dr. Cornerstone had moved his place of residence. He had left Bloomsbury and taken a house in the district of West St. Pancras, not far from Regent's Park here he could give his wife and children the advantage of a beautiful open space green trees and some picturesqueness and yet not be too far from the centre of things that being in his eyes the east end in west st pancras close to and yet isolated from the main thoroughfares with their noise and traffic one comes on the unexpected oasis of a quiet street of a little nest of pleasant detached houses each with its own bright garden in this street dr cornerstone had settled himself with his wife and children he had selected it because the atmosphere was bright and healthy and this he knew to be essential to proper development and happy existence dr cornerstone had no mind to embrace in his own person and in those nearest to him the misery from which he daily saw others suffering he preferred to maintain a high though simple standard of comfort and he would no more have attempted to improve and assist a suffering world by adopting in his own person any portion of the scandalous poverty and degradation inflicted upon the struggling hordes of the workers than he would have tried to save it by assuming the wicked luxury and degradation of the superfluous rich He regarded it as his first duty, as it is, indeed, that of every responsible citizen, to keep himself and those whose well-being depended upon him sane in body and mind. The pursuit of wholeness was the aim by which he determined his daily personal conduct. His second duty Was the work which he had cut out for himself in life, and that was the rescue of others from the high misdemeanors consequent upon either poverty or wealth. That work occupied all his time and energies. Dr. Cornerstone's practice had increased, and as it included the rich as well as the poor, he found himself in a position to give more and more of his advice gratis where it was most needed his name had become a well-known one so that the idle rich would appeal to him when beaten by the diseases that follow in the train of ennui excess and self-indulgence the human nature within them revolted against its own sickliness and yearned for a tonic this the caustic tone of the uncompromising doctor was sure to present for his habit was the commingling of heart-searching advice with medicinal prescription to sick women among the rich dr cornerstone habitually mingled mercy and tenderness with his firm truth speaking save in a few instances there had been cases when the dealings of the doctor with his feminine patients had been indeed awe-inspiring there was no doubt that he regarded all disease as being somewhat of the nature of moral delinquency or at least as being closely connected with it this somewhat severe idea was really the occasion of the optimism which was unexpectedly found to color his otherwise grim appreciation of the misery amid which he found himself possibly he needed a strong imagination to support him under the burden of human woe and his imagination was of the kind which extracts from desolating facts a reason and a cause and which possesses an invincible faith in remedial application dr cornerstone could never persuade himself to accept evil when he saw it or to pause on the indulgence of mere emotion the sight of evil invigorated his will stirred up his brain and drove him on to that kind of beneficent action which is named hard thinking after some particularly heart-rending experience among the wretched and forsaken of mankind he would come home and sit with knit reflective brows dreaming dreams and seeing prophetic visions until at last he would shake off his depression in the startling declaration that old age and death themselves those two unconquerable items of our fate might for all he knew lie finally in the hands of the race, so magnificent a latent power to work out his own salvation did he discover enclosed within the brain and heart and will of man. On a soft warm evening, a day or two after the minister's great entertainment, Dr. Cornerstone sat on the veranda of his house with his friend Carteret the windows of the sitting-room were thrown open behind him and every now and then a child or two stepped out ran to play in the garden and ran in again there was an attraction in the sitting-room that called the little ones constantly back to itself the mother sat there with her work her soft movements the snip of the scissors the laying down of the reel the rustle of material the gentle voice speaking to the children came through the open window to her husband's ear and accompanied his thoughts and conversation the ten years which had passed over dr cornerstone's head had changed his brown hair to silver his eyes were tenderer and more attentive than they had been and his mouth a trifle firmer otherwise he was unaltered near the pear, a laburnum hung its delicate beautiful flowers the trees were covered with fresh and beautiful green and the sun turned the well-cut lawn into a carpet of gold around in the air the roar and jar of traffic was all too close yet not so near but that the softest tone might be heard and the pants of the children's breath from their little red mouths as they ran and their late footfall in the race the age dr cornerstone was saying belongs to the common life that flows through our streets and not to rank riches nor genius i am aware that we are destined to sit under the footstool of the mob and hob a with the tramp responded carteret meekly when i see any one adorning and yet more adorning his own life and refining and yet more refining his own spirit and comforting his spiritual imagination for this world and the next you yearn to bundle him and his fads off this serious earth interrupted carteret with his usual dry air but when the virtuous recognizes his kin in the commonplace sinner and the man of genius does not exalt himself against the fool what then there you are at your ineradicable individualism again said cornerstone testily oh take all the feathers out of all my caps a good brain is in justice and right a communal belonging it owes rent to the community just as the possessor of a good field or a mine or any other special advantage owes rent to the rest to make the balance even this intrusive age sighed carteret it leaves us no privacy nor any private property not even our own heads those least of all the better furnished one head is the less is there left for the rest i decline that said carteret i insist returned cornerstone there are limitations everywhere if we use up the national capacity as a forcing-bed for the few we draw off mental power from the rest the best individual brain falls off somewhere so of the national brain i seem to see what i seem to see each man of genius and capacity among us dogged in his steps by the pauper the imbecile and the rogue i will say that the crime imbecility and degradation beneath stultify the refined product above what national pride can we have so long as one degraded specimen is left to run like a rat to a hole at the tread of a policeman our symposium at westminster is cancelled by our thieves quarter just as a city feast in november is cancelled by the hunger of the unemployed in these things we are debtors but how to get at the complacent consciences of the mentally endowed asked carteret would that i could do it returned the doctor would that i could bring your man of abnormal brain-power into contact genuine spiritual contact with some of the broken and degraded and say to him there lies the blot to your personal civilization this savagery shames your development this noisome shadow dogs your advance and belongs to it wipe out that blot change these shadows cancel this shame or your presence in our midst and not theirs is the worst of our national disgraces the doctor stretched his arms out and got rid of the irritation of shirt cuffs while he gazed at the setting sun it burned slowly down through the trees opposite and sent flames of color up into the london sky the child ran suddenly forward and leaned a round pair of arms upon its father's knees looking up into his face silently and happily then it darted away to its play cornerstone carteret's voice was sad and musing an unwonted depression had characterized him during this interview the doctor turned and looked at his friend when we have harried all the rogues off the face of the earth and solved all our problems the women we have always with us ah i for one decline to speak of that difficult problem as an insoluble one i will never allow that natural law is so stubbornly adjusted as to leave one-half the race under a real permanent disadvantage of late an odd thing happened to me out with it i went the other day to a great entertainment i was present at lady shunlan's the other evening poor strayed sheep poor fish out of water it was there the odd thing befell me i saw there the most beautiful woman in england or in europe for the matter of that "Hmm," said the doctor with an uneasy frown in my opinion there's no beauty left since he broke off suddenly and that with an eye of regret well proceed i saw her and she exhibited toward me a certain favor the deuce she did the jade that was your odd experience eh she held all the men at a distance none might come near her saving myself i was the favored one i might sit by her side with a fold of her dress over my knee the jezebel had heard of your book carteret they'll take up with anybody when they fancy it increases their power i found myself touched cornerstone devil take her pooh did i swear don't let my wife hear. the doctor here cast a rather fearful glance toward the sitting-room whence now came the gentle click of knitting-needles i was moved by her cornerstone moved as i rarely am by a woman i suspect them all range myself against them all by instinct with this one on the contrary i took sides against the world the doctor shook his head this is bad carteret bad you are advanced in life but that makes the case worse change of scene might however be effectual ever since i saw those eyes of hers i have been dreaming heavens and earth what of of mortal ruin and despair ah i see i see this is not a common case no mere outbreak on the part of an elderly old fellow who ought to know better proceed there was something in the eyes that went straight to my heart I could believe that I had heard the cry of a lost soul. My bodily ear did not receive the words, yet they haunt my mind as though they had been spoken. I am lost beyond hope, but soothe my soul with one drop of human comfort before hell swallows me up forever." "'Indeed, indeed!' I am tough enough, yet I cannot endure the memory of that woman's eyes." "'Poor soul! She was in the usual feminine predicament, sucked in by love and passion into some moral morass. I hardly think it. What then?' There were certain indications that the case was peculiar. "'Well, her name?' "'Her name that is a thing of disgrace a name to scald the tongue pretty company for you to be in what name was it a great name as the world goes she answered to lady harriet ah my prophetic soul the doctor set both hands on the arms of his chair leaned forward and stared silently in carteret's face did you know of this thing cornerstone it is far off now the marriage i mean i have put it out of my head as much as possible seeing that it was unalterable i heard nothing from her since i received the long letter i told you of prior to her disappearance a little more than a year afterward i read in a paper that she had married that revolting brute he was there with her well and she has made her discoveries the doctor was a little pale about the cheeks and his jaw looked square and black and ugly she has found out something returned carteret Some more than ordinary experience has produced in her eyes a certain look of unfathomable sadness. I should call it more than sadness. Some sight she has seen, some shock she has received, has impressed itself permanently on her mind. Of this I feel sure. Did you speak to her? Were you introduced? I was not introduced, yet we spoke together. Anything of note? it was confidential for once my withered hideousness was of service with a woman she wanted me to sit by her and protect her from the nauseous assiduities of sexual admiration poor wretch poor wretch they educated her into sexuality until it is impossible for her to avoid exciting the corresponding sensuality in our coarser natures with me however she was safe she detected it by instinct and how unerring have her instincts become on matters such as these by me she sat contentedly at rest how did you know it something burned for a moment in the eyes and withered face of carteret something that was like a flame from a long repressed smoulder of pain at the centre of his being but his voice in replying was commonplace and quiet because he said usually women cast a hasty glance at me and scuttle away i am so accustomed to it so prepared for the inevitable moment of repulsion that the slightest variation appeals to me like a plain word lady harriet's lovely eyes noted me and my deformity as i made room for her to reach a lounge and as she seated herself she indicated by a look by a movement of the hand that the place beside her was vacant that in itself was an event to a man such as i am it was a greater when she did not withdraw the trespassing fold of her gown nor shrink from me into the remotest corner dr cornerstone drew his handkerchief out and dried a drop or two that stood on his forehead you comprehend he said that the inimitable jessamine was the most precious of my patients well as i said she spoke to me yes a friend of mine mentioned the name of someone with whom she was once acquainted that would be me just so there is some tragedy behind some weight on her mind she found the occasion to send you a message she whispered in my ear tell him to call tell him to come beseech him, pray him. The sun was edging slowly out of the sky. Nothing but a red half-disk remained. Dr. Cornerstone leaned back in his chair and stared at it. End of chapter 25